0: Hello and welcome to another beautiful day here at Five Alive. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We are going to continue in our series that we've been talking about how to grow as a Christian. Today, our topic of discussion is repentance. What is repentance and how that affects our life, how that becomes a part of our everyday life and Do we ever stop repenting? So to answer some of those questions, we're going to dive into a couple of passages of Scripture, look those up, see what the Bible has to say, and then we're going to also chat about it just around our table here with you today. So first question, does the need for repentance go away during a pandemic? No. No. Why do people years ago, during frequent pandemics, continue to repent? Because they still sin. They still send.
1: There's always need for repentance, especially whenever we're placing things before God. Like if we're not putting Christ Jesus first as our foremost thought Mm -hmm. and neglecting him each Mm -hmm. and every day. Because it's easy to panic, especially during a pandemic. Because like during a pandemic, it's so much easier to... Look at the news feed, or get on a WhatsApp group, or chat about it with your friends, um, than to turn into the scriptures and relying full heartedly onto Christ Jesus.
0: Absolutely, very true. So, what you guys are saying is, as human beings, we haven't evolved to the point where we do not need to repent. Yes. Will we ever evolve to that point? No. 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 So repentance is a critical part of being a Christian, and it is a critical part of our growth as a Christian. Why do we spend so much time justifying our sins?
1: The comparison is easy to do if we look Mm -hmm. at one person and their lifestyle is different from our lifestyle. Then either we will try to follow and pattern ourselves after their lifestyle. Mm -hmm which is not being true to who we are and who God created us to be because we are each uniquely made differently, but yet we're all created in his image.
2: We also try to cover up our sin or justify ourselves for what we're doing. The sin we're doing is because we know what we're doing is wrong and therefore we try to make it sound like we're doing something right to other people. Hmm. That way we don't feel... Because whenever we're doing something wrong, a lot of people feel like, they're going to be judged for the wrong they're doing, even though, not all that's not always going to happen. There are people out there who will love you and help you through your problems, but the first reaction is they're going to be against me and they're going to hate me. So that I need to justify what I'm doing wrong to make it sound like I'm doing it right.
0: Yeah, for the right reasons. Absolutely, great answers. Wow. When the answer to cleanse our sins is repentance. Frequently, we instead go into this, and this is my opinion, this is what I've read in Scripture, this is the way I talk to people, is it's because we enjoy our lifestyle. We enjoy the sin that we're doing. <laughs> we want other people to accept us just as we quote-unquote are in all of our sin and in all of our shame, and uh, we want them to then protect us. So we want laws to pass. We want rights to be added into constitutions. We want... Uh, Our lifestyle, no matter what it is, and I'm not trying to call any specific lifestyle out. Gluttony is just as bad as any other sin of lying or deceitfulness or sexual sins. These are all things that we try and find ways to justify and say, these are my rights and there's laws to protect me. And so therefore you can't tell me that I need to repent. This is the way the world reacts when... Christ calls us to repentance. The other way the world reacts is they see who Christ really is, and they repent. But what is repentance? Repentance is an act of faith necessary in order to receive forgiveness of sins. In Luke chapter 13, verses 3, Jesus says the following. Mallory's going to read that for us.
3: I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish.
0: So repentance is turning from your sin and abiding in Christ. Turning from your sin and abiding in Christ. There's multiple ways we can do this. I'll talk a little bit more about that in detail in just a second. But what repentance is not is repentance is not walking up church steps on my knees in order to punish myself because I've done something wrong. Repentance is not taking a whip and beating myself with it unconditionally because I've done something wrong. So therefore, in order to prove that I am a good person, I need to whip my body or take a razor out and cut my body. Self-mutilation is not repentance. That is not what Christ calls us to do. That's not what Christ is saying. That is not even in anywhere in Scripture to do these kinds of things. Repentance is also not confession, as in I have to confess my sins to my brother in order to be forgiven of my sins. Repentance is not forgiveness. Repentance is not surrender. Repentance is not grace. Repentance is not mercy. Repentance is not a gift. Repentance is something that we physically must do. Many people regret their sin when they're caught, right? Yeah. That that regret is not repentance. I'm sorry I did this. I regret it. Do you regret it because you know it's kept you from God and it was something that was preventing you from continuing to dive deeper into who he is? Or do you regret it because somebody walked into the room whenever you were doing it? If you regret it, That is not repentance. Repentance is still required. Threat only leads to remorse, which then turns into a torturing sense of personal guilt where we hate ourselves and we feel like we can never do anything right. And I've seen this plaguing the church specifically within the last 40 years of my life where we constantly feel like I'm not good enough to serve Christ. Because we have regret in our life. And if we will turn that regret into repentance, then we will stop looking at life as, I'm not worthy to serve Jesus. I'm not worthy to come into his presence. I'm not worthy to worship him. I'm not worthy to be saved. And instead, we will recognize through repentance that we are worthy because that's the whole reason Jesus came from heaven to earth. So that that way we could be forgiven and forgiveness comes through repentance. The other thing that we do as people is we seek reprisal for our wrongs or our wrongdoing. Reprisal is something that is done to hurt or punish someone else who has hurt you or has done something bad to you. You look for reprisal to pay them back. We call it another thing, don't we? Revenge. Revenge and we think revenge will all of a sudden get us off the hook with God so that that way if we attack the person who has attacked us then all of, then all of a sudden God will find us in favorable light that is not repentance and that is not what the bible asks us to do
3: if you if someone does something mean to you or you think that they did something mean but like they actually didn't mean to do it or something like that and so then you plan like a whole entire revenge plan Mm -hmm. on them. And then whenever you plan a revenge plan, that whenever you bring it out and that person is just as hurt as you are Mm -hmm. and um, God won't be like, oh yeah, you're so great because then he'll be like, you're just as bad as that person.
1: Very good point.
3: Because you didn't forgive them. Mm -hmm. And forgiveness, I've heard, is the best revenge.
0: That is what people say. And you know what? That kind of statement is what reprisal is. Revenge, uh, forgiveness is the best kind of revenge, is I'm still looking to hurt somebody else in some capacity. And that you're exactly right. You perfectly illustrated my point with an exact phrase that we say in the church. Thank you you're for bringing that up because you're so right. That is not what God sent Jesus on this earth to do. He called us on this earth. He spoke life into being. He died for us so that that way we could forgive others, not so we could have revenge on them, but so that that way our hearts would be softened and we would love our neighbor as ourself and that we would love our neighbor the same way God loves our neighbor. Revenge is supposed to be taken out of the equation completely. But you're exactly right. We still try and justify our actions. Reprisal only destroys our relationships with people who are God's children, whom he loves. A true believer in Christ Jesus lives a life of repentance. I wrote a few notes here, and I'm going to try and go through them real quick and, uh, and describe what I mean by this. The last time I repented, which was this morning, it was deeper than a confession, It was more than a mind game that I was trying to manipulate God in order to serve me instead of I serve him. It was more than a person or a group wanting to control me. It wasn't the church trying to control me. It isn't a demon trying to control me. It isn't society or culture trying to control me. Instead, when I repented this morning, I did this as an act of worship unto the one who paid the ultimate price for me, Jesus And I'm going to do it a few more times today because I'm going to mess up today. It's just a, it's just a fact. I I have to recognize in myself that I am a man who makes mistakes, but you know what? I'm in good company because you guys make mistakes too. And so we repent because we will have an attitude that is contrary to God's nature. That's the purpose of our repentance. The Holy Spirit, an amazing gift from God, bestowed upon us on this earth today, helps us recognize the things that we need to repent of. I do not then achieve enlightenment on this side of heaven because I repented. However, each day I live in total repentance, I must also live in total forgiveness, I have to forgive myself. I must forgive my family. And I must have forgiveness towards my neighbors, which then leads me back to repent all the more. So what does repentance look like for me, Matt Rollance, on a day like today? I recognize the thing that I've done, which has separated me from God. The location of where I'm at when that recognition comes into place does not matter. The whole earth, according to the Bible, is God's footstool. So I don't have to be in church to repent or in a mosque or in a temple or in some other place. No, as a believer in Christ, I can repent anywhere. And when I say anywhere, I mean anywhere in my flat. I can be out on the lawn. I can be at the grocery store. I can be in my car. I can repent anywhere. Location is not a part of repentance. Then I simply open my mouth and I confess what my wrong is. Sometimes I even write it or pen it down on a piece of paper. And I ask for forgiveness of the wrong. And then I listen for God to speak. Now, this is important for us to recognize that when God speaks to us, he always speaks to us in love. His response to us in repentant states is acceptance of us. If what you feel or hear after you repent is something is demanded of you, you have to mutilate yourself in some way in order to gain ultimate forgiveness. If you're given an order to go somewhere and do something, Or if there is a bargain being made between you and God, that is not repentance. Those are man's thoughts or demonic oppression. And we've got to recognize that. God loves us. And so when we repent, he's not going to then say, well, if you really love me, then you're going to go over there and you're going to do this and this and this. That's not the way God speaks to us in repentance. God accepts our repentance and he forgives us. That is what we listen for then we stop doing the wrong. We don't do it anymore, we stop doing the wrong. Now, the longer we are Christians and the, and the more we follow Christ and the more we confess the easier sins and we repent of them, the more likely we are to get into the deep-rooted, difficult sins that are a part of who we identify ourselves as. And when the Holy Spirit says, This is not good for you to have this in your life. It needs to be cut out, surgically removed from your life. And that happens through repentance. Those are the sins that the longer we're a Christian are more difficult to give up. And we start justifying our wrongs because we've done good things. And we think that our good things will then outweigh our bad things or our sin. And then we then try and discount repentance as not necessary because look at all the good things that I've done. And the longer I'm a Christian, the harder it is for me to stop doing the thing that I've repented of.
3: You know, something that's funny is that parents have to make up that Santa Claus exists because they want their children to be good.
0: Yeah, that's a manipulation technique, really, isn't it? I want you to be good, so I'm going to say that this is real, this lie is real, so that that way, if you are bad, I can take that away from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Daniel chapter 9, verses 9 and 10 is an Old Testament passage of Scripture just to show us that the whole Bible talks about the importance of repentance it's not just a new testament concept it's not just a jesus concept it is a concept that is mentioned throughout scripture daniel chapter 9 verses 9 through 10 blair has that for us
1: to the lord our god belong mercy and forgiveness for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the lord our god by walking in his laws which he set before us by his servants the prophets all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him.
0: Wonderful. This is...
1: Oh, I read too many. You're, you're fine. That's
0: great. Because it continues to show us that Israel as is just as guilty of the things that we do today. We fall into the same category of what Daniel is talking about here is we fall into rebellion against God and we seek not to repent. Your repentance affects your relationships with family, with friends, and with co-workers. You receive a new understanding of their problems and their point of view when you develop a deeper relationship of love with them and discover a desire to introduce them to Jesus because you live an active life of repentance. This is illustrated for us by Jesus himself in a parable, and then we're going to follow that parable up with a couple extra verses. So the parable is found in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, and we're going to read the next chapter of Luke 17, 1 through 4. Xavier, will you read all of that for us?
2: There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who fasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. and Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us you and a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, please send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest any of them come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, and they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And he said this to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. To... It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he would cause any of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent,
0: you must forgive him. There's a few things in this parable that I want us to recognize Jesus is talking about a few characters in the parable. Uh, There's five brothers, there's a rich man, there's a poor man, and there's Father Abraham. Who else has an actual name that is called out to us and told to us in this passage of scripture that of all of those people I just mentioned, other than Abraham? Lazarus. The poor man, which shows us that the poor man, even though this is a parable, achieved glory with Jesus in heaven. The rich man's name isn't mentioned. Neither are the five brothers. Why? Because their names aren't written in the Lamb's book of life, and therefore they did not achieve eternal glory. Showing us that there is a chasm that will be placed in our lives when we do not follow after God, Lord our God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love Jesus as the one and only Savior who came into this world to rescue us, and we know it's Jesus because did you notice in verse 31, your brothers won't believe if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, even if someone was to rise from the dead, which is exactly what Jesus did. This is a testimony to us that he is Christ. Then goes on in chapter 17, talking about the importance of us to repent. How many times in a day? Even if it's up to seven times that your brother sins against you, if he repents and asks your forgiveness, you do it. And that same thing comes to be true for you and I. Even if we sin seven times in a day or more, seven is the number used just to show us that it can be an infinite number of times that we sin in a day, Christ still died for us. And when we repent, he will set us free from our sin after the initial repentance god reveals himself to us and when we turn from our own selfish ways god begins to make his ways more clear to us each day through his word we have a few passages of scripture here along with a few questions that i'd like to read the first one being second peter chapter three verses nine mallory has that for us again And the question that I want us to ponder while she's saying this and then speak about afterwards is, what is God's desire for everyone? What is God's desire for you, for me, and for all those around us? Hit it.
3: The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but it is long suffering t- to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come t- to repentance.
0: So I'll ask the question again. In this passage of scripture, what is the message of God's desire for us?
2: That we should repent, and that way we will be with Him eternally, and not just christians but every person on the earth
1: the lord is patient with each and every one of us mm. that we will come to the knowledge and saving grace of christ jesus mm. as our personal lord and savior he's patient yeah because he wants all men yeah to know him yeah not just a few not just a handful but all men
0: I think that's important for us to recognize in this day and age where we think we need to get a quick win. Quick wins don't do anything. Quick win is like the parable where Jesus says there was a farmer that went and scattered seed out there and some of it fell on the pathway and it sprung up and the sun scorched it. Or a quick win is that seed that fell among the weeds and the weeds choked it out. A quick win is when the birds of the air come and grab the seed up. As the church, we've got to stop looking for quick wins, and we've got to recognize and repent of our quick win attitude and be patient like God is patient. Recognizing that, yes, it takes people a while to completely repent of their sins and find forgiveness in Christ. I was talking to a man earlier this week who has convinced himself that Jesus wasn't God. I hardly could get a word in edgewise when the man was talking. The whole entire six hours I was with the man talking with him. And he was convinced that Jesus is not God and that he just was a good moral man. And I listened to him and I shared when I could a few little things. And it would just get him thinking even more deeply of how he was going to try and disprove the one who came back from the grave. And I just listened to him. And in that moment of that day, if I was looking for a quick win, I can walk away and say, you know what? That guy didn't in that moment give his heart to Jesus Christ. I don't care anymore. I'm never gonna talk to that man again. And that's what we do as the church very often. And we've got to repent of that. And we have got to recognize that just as I was patient in that moment, and I mean, it was not my patience. It is a patience that came from the Holy Spirit in that moment to help me listen, and to pray silently in my own mind for that man, that he will recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And I will continue to be his friend. Mm -hmm. And I will continue to talk with him all the days of our life. And if the day comes that his life ends and he still hasn't repented, he will still be my friend. He will still be my brother. That is the way Jesus reacts. That's what love is. Love isn't saying, I will only love you if you give up all your thought processes and start thinking exactly like I do. Blair and I have been married for almost 22 years. We love each other. We love each other deeply, intimately. We love each other. I mean, words can't describe some of the love that we have for each other. And we're just two physical people. I'm not talking about my love for God. I'm talking about my love for my wife. Blair, do we agree on everything?
1: No, we do not.
0: (laughs) So does that all of a sudden negate my love for you or your love for me?
1: No, just patience.
0: It's just patience. Am I always right? No. Are you always right?
1: I am not always right either.
0: So does that mean that our love is now obsolete because sometimes I'm wrong and sometimes you're wrong? No. No. So why do we look at people this way? We've got to ask ourselves that question. Why do we look at ourselves this way? Speaking of quick
2: when attitudes towards leading people to the Lord, I believe a lot of that has come from improper preaching of the gospel through our early ministers and early church. Whenever we do read our books and we look up our church history and we read about missionaries and evangelists and stuff like that, is we're not supposed to completely become them. We're supposed to become more like Christ perfect. And so in that, instead of looking towards our D.L. Moody's or our, um, who's the most recent guy? I can't remember. He just passed away.
1: Oh, uh, uh,
2: like uh, Billy Graham Billy Graham, Graham. or our Billy Grahams or all those people. Instead of trying to replicate or our or lives,
1: Robbie like Robbie oh,
2: yeah, Zacharias, Zacharias yeah. even it was, we don't need to base our lives off of these people. We need to base our lives off of Christ and we can glean from these people. We can learn some of their insights towards Christ. Yeah. But what's important is understanding that these people aren't God and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to say some things that they won't agree with later in time through repentance. But that takes learning and growing deeper
0: with God. Correct. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So there's going to be a question with Luke chapter three, verse three also. And it was, it is, what is the message of this scripture.
3: He
1: went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin.
0: Very good. This is also found in Mark chapter one, verse four. It's talking about John the Baptist. So what is the message that John the Baptist is preaching?
2: Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand because Christ is coming. Christ is here. You need to repent that way. You will be accepted into
0: his family, to be accepted with Christ. So is John's message still applicable to us today?
1: Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: Even in the pandemic of COVID-19? Yes. Next is Mark chapter 1, verse 15. I think Aisha has that again. And this is, what did Jesus come preaching?
1: The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near, repentant. And believe the good news.
0: Yeah. So what is Jesus' proclamation? What is his announcement? What is his good news? I'm here. I'm here.
2: (laughs) Gonna die for your sins.
0: Follow me. And what else does he say in this passage of scripture?
1: Mm -hmm. The kingdom of God is near. Mm -hmm.
0: So what must you do? Repent. 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 Believe. Mm -hmm. Believe. These are vital for us. You, you had a statement? Question. Yes,
3: I had a statement. Yes! Whenever it says good news and stuff, I used to have a shirt that says good news on it. Uh-huh. That was like a long time ago. And mommy would all like every time she would see me wear the shirt, she always be like, here comes good news. And she's like, what's the good news? And I'm like, oh, it's that I did this and stuff like that. I would tell her that. But then, and then sometimes I'd always say, "What's the good news?" And it's like, "Jesus."
0: Jesus is the good news. Yes. All right. There's another passage of scripture found in Acts chapter two, verses thirty-seven through thirty-eight. Blair has us that scripture for us. The question is, what is the response of hearers in this passage of scripture? What is the response of the hearers?
1: Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.
0: So what is the response? Peter preached a message, and then they asked him a question, What shall we do? And he gave them the answer. What is their response supposed to be to hearing the good news of who Christ is? Repent and be baptized.
1: And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes! I want one more passage of Scripture to go with this. It's Jesus speaking in Luke chapter 24, verses 46 and 47. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. We talked about this a couple of months ago. That Christianity is about 20% of every single population in the world. It sounds like the good news has gone into other nations. And where did it start? In Jerusalem, from that passage of scripture that Blair just read, this is the fulfillment of Christ proclaiming who he is. Today, we are a fulfillment of the importance of repentance. And so therefore, not just as a tradition, not just as a people of a Christian culture, but as men and women and children of God, our lifestyle is to be a lifestyle of repentance. All right, last question. Second Timothy, chapter 2, verses 23 through 26. Blair has that for us again. The question is, how can people be recovered from the snare or the trap of the devil?
1: Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, after being being captured by him to do his will.
0: How can people be recovered from the snare or the trap of the devil? Because, you know, a snare, if it's a snare for an animal... Uh, it would be like a trap that the animal will step in and it'll clamp around its its arm or what have you. If it's a snare for a bird, it's like a net that catches the bird. So once it's recovered from uh, damages, mm-hmm. how how does it recover? Salve is put on it, bandages are put on it, etc. And then it slowly heals and it recovers. So when we get caught up in the ways of the devil... Christ puts a healing balm or salve on us through the power of His Holy Spirit, and our reactions become what our lifestyle is. What it's described um, in the first couple of verses here.
1: First and foremost, it says not to get involved in the discussions of looking for a fight. I yeah, mean, if you're if you're out there and you know the Lord and you're looking for a fight. And you're wanting to fight God's word or you're wanting to fight that your ways are better than other men. Don't do that. Right. It's not worth the fight because you're going to lose a friend and you're going to have a mob come after you and attack you. And then in return, you're going to say, I'm being persecuted for my faith. Well, you're the one who started it.
0: <laughs> you po- you provoked and provoked. <laughs>
1: right. You provoked. and And that doesn't do any good to anybody. Right. So if we come in with a sober mind and a soberness, so to say, of Mm -hmm. approaching a discussion, but not belittling our brother and or our sister, but being very gentle in our response, it's even sometimes like not even elevating our voices to an extent. And sometimes you have to elevate your voice in order for a point sometimes to be heard. Correct. Correct. Because when someone's just really gentle all the time, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> uh, and you're like, okay, that's, you know, there's there's, there's two ways to, to the, I mean, you, it's okay to, to elevate our voices at some times. But if if our heart's intention is coming in and just say that our ways are better than another's, it's not the truth. Because we're still learning. We're still growing. God is still working in in us Mm -hmm. if we are truly repentant day in and day out and and allowing God to reveal himself more to us each and every day of showing us of now you know you need to be working on this area you need to be working on this area and that's what people bring out being with people shows us some of the things that we need to work on. Is like when we do get in discussions with others and ugliness does come out it's like oh man I did not mean for that to say to say that and you ask your brother and or your sister for forgiveness and it's up them to forgive you yeah. and you can't force them to forgive you or not forgive you and sometimes you lose friends and sometimes you don't but if you truly are <laughs> repentant and truly are asking for forgiveness they're they are Eventually, sometimes that relationship can be bonded, and but be of be of good cheer. Don't be discouraged, but to continue to be in obedience and an active obedience to Christ Jesus, because He's the one that does bring that patience. He is the one that brings us that gentleness, and it's not a it's not a race, it's not a gender, and it's not a religion fight. We are all created in God's image, every one of us. And we were all born with the same ways and actions. Why? Because we were all created in the image of Christ. Man separates. Man divides. Man puts people into categories. Man shames. Man guilts. Man gives honor. Christ loves you for who you are. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And that's enough.
0: And he wants us to reciprocate that love right back to him. We love him because we love him because we love him. There's no stipulation or specific thing that we demand out of him. But we love him because we love him.
2: And then we in turn do that towards others.
0: And we in turn do that towards others. If I love my neighbor, let's just call him Mr. Singh since we do live in Punjab. That can mean almost anybody. So I love Mr. Singh. I'm not looking for him to do something for me. I love him simply because I love him. Because God gave me a love for him so that that way I can love him like God loves him. And I love him not wanting something, not needing something, not demanding something, not requiring something. I just love. But what if he comes into my house and attacks me and has two guys with spears pointed at my children? I love him because Christ loves him. And that's why so often repentance is looked at as weakness. It's because how could you dare love somebody who desires to harm you or to hurt you? How is that possible? Did you have something to say?
3: Hate should be looked as as a weakness and not love.
0: I wrote down a a story that happened in my life, wasn't an easy thing that had occurred, it didn't happen specifically to me, but a family member of mine was attacked and she was raped multiple times for several years. She was young, she had no way of getting out of the situation because it was happening in her own home. As a result of that, when all came to light and we found out, we discovered that she had been getting raped on a regular basis, my family member had been getting raped on a regular basis, my initial reaction was so humanistic. It was so worldly. It was so a part of what everyone around us would do. It was a part of even what we see in the new movie that's showing on Amazon Prime with Michael B. Jordan. My desire was revenge and even murderous I'm gonna kill the guy that was raping my family member. The Holy Spirit allowed me to go through those emotions and those feelings, and I went through those emotions and feelings for quite a few months, maybe even a couple of years. However, he kept bringing me back to the passages of scripture that talk about repentance. And if I repent and I am forgiven, then I also must forgive. And as I continued to daily repent and really had a hatred growing in my heart for this person who had been raping my family member, it almost seemed counterintuitive, almost like hypocrisy or a double standard until one day I was by myself reading the Bible. I was reading First John. I was left on a job site working. And there was a Bible there and I picked it up and started reading and I read the whole book of First John making it sound like it's a lot, it's only five chapters. And at the conclusion of it, I got down on my knees at the workplace and started sobbing and recognized that I had bitterness and hatred that was separating me from my Lord and Savior. And I didn't want that anymore. And I repented in that moment. And I turned away from that sin of hatred Violence, feelings of revenge, demanding my rights, saying this is against the law, so therefore this person should be punished. And in that moment, I sought Christ's forgiveness. And to say that I didn't have to repent of that same thing again the next day would be to lie to you. Of course I did. And to say that I didn't have to do it the next day would be to lie to you. Of course I did. And to say that I don't still have to do it today in 2021 would be a lie. Because it was a very difficult thing for me to forgive this person for. And yet, I still want to have a clean heart before God without anything separating me from him and his love. Not just for me, but his love for others. This is what repentance is. And I have Colossians chapter one, verses 13 through 15. And this is my closing. Jesus is whom the author here of Paul is talking about. And he says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And it is to Jesus that I don't just describe honor and glory and sing his worship and praise him with my tongue in verb, verb form or noun form or just proclaim him with my speech, but also in writing, also in writing music or doing artwork or walking down the street. He, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. I want to explain redemption. Redemption is the purchase of something back that was lost by the payment of a ransom. I once was lost. I was lost in my sin. I was separated from God. And Jesus came from heaven to earth. And he paid the ultimate price. He paid a ransom for my life, which was lost. And I give him honor and glory because he has redeemed me.
2: This week, I've been reading from the book of James. And towards the end of James 4, it says, James 4, 13 through 17. Yeah. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that peers for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Hmm. We do that a lot in our daily lives. Of we know what is right. We know we need to stand up to certain things, that are, certain wrongs that are being done. But we don't do it and we can't sit there and wallow in self-pity for why didn't I do that you ask for forgiveness you repent and we move on and the next time we stand up to that very good
3: thank you Jesus for this day and for every single day and that we will worship God every single day and that we will repent every single day and that we will pray for everyone in the whole entire world that they will all stay safe and they won't die when they get COVID. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.